Hi, and welcome to Forest of the Future, the series where we look into how innovation in FSC can help save our forests. We all know that forests play a key role in combating climate change and the biodiversity crisis that we're facing. In this series, we explore how innovation, especially within tech tools, but also more broadly, can help us protect our forests and support the mission of FSC, which is to ensure responsible management of our forests worldwide. In this episode, we return to one of the innovations in FSC under implementation, the FSC Digital Audit Reporting. This project will, for the first time, bring all of the FSC audit reports into one structured unified format and will ensure that data travels from the document itself and onto a database. And why is that so important? Well, because it enables us in FSC to start doing analytics across all of the FSC certified operations and forest areas out there so that we can spot trends, address risks and challenges and simply just put ourselves and our systems in a position to perform better. The project was released as a pilot version back in October 2020. Today we're going to look at how piloting and rollout is progressing when I talk to Joanna Nevorowska. She's the Deputy Director of FSC's Technology and Information Unit, and she's the Program Lead for FSC's Data, Analytics, Evaluations and Learnings Team. So let's dive straight in. Hi, Joanna, and welcome to the podcast. It's been a while since we've had you on the show, and today we're going to talk about FSC Digital Audit Reporting. But could we start just by recapping a bit? What is that? Hello, Anne. Hello, everyone. Uh, very nice to be with you again. So digital audit reporting. Oh, it's a big topic. So I will try to be short and I hope that listeners were also having the chance to catch up with the last podcast that we had almost a year ago. What is digital reporting? It's a new way for FSC to collect the fundamental data about our certified forest. And traditionally, this data is collected by auditors who are working for independent certification bodies doing the audit annually on the ground. And this data is then put to our audit report. So we have a lot of knowledge about our ground operations, a lot of understanding and data about certified forests. The problem, however, is that this report is produced in the form of a PDF file that is then being attached to FSC database. So for us to really access this knowledge, we would need to open every single report that we have in our database. And with the current count of about 1,700 of certificate holders for forest management, well, as you can imagine, and I hope our listeners understand, that's quite a challenge. Moreover, every certification body is having their own template and slightly different way of how they describe this data, different fields, different units, different formats that they are using. So even if we did open all of those reports, we still are struggling with a huge challenge with the data inconsistency and understanding them. So basically, the new way that we are introducing is to have first unified template in which all certification bodies, all auditors will be filling data in a consistent way. How we ensure it? Well, we introduce in this new template a lot of data controls. So if you put the wrong uh, format, if you uh, put the wrong data, the system will not accept it. You cannot really approve this report and then share it with FSC. Then the second big component of this tool is that the, there are the set of tools that allows you to take this data, 
and transfer this data from the template directly to our database. So we don't store report anymore. We store data directly. And that is for us a huge opportunity to introduce full analytics of data that we are gathering from the ground about our system. Mm, very interesting. So it sounds like because it's called digital audit reports and the digital audit report sounds like it's actually the first time that you digitalize something. But in fact, the audit reports have been digital for quite a while. What we're doing is standardizing the data sets and making them available for better analytics. Is that correct? That's a very good way to put it, Loa. And indeed, PDF is a digital form of the report. It's just of a very little use for analytics for us and also for certification bodies. And that, of course, affects our limited ability to learn from the system and make improvements in the system based on what we are discovering from the data. Okay, so you mentioned that we actually did a podcast episode on this a year ago now, when the project was brand new and in its infancy, and I'll post a link in the description text for those that want to listen to it. So could you just catch us up on what has happened since then? Where to start? <laughs> I think, sadly, and probably for most of our listeners, and for us, it was the same, COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So we were very excited, we were uh, working hard, and suddenly, wow, we had to adapt our operations, we have to adapt our timelines. Nevertheless, over 2020, we did deliver the uniform template for the audits, and we were planning originally to launch the new template at the 1st January of this year, 1st January 2021. Our intention with that was that the system, the auditors, will get used to using those templates, during 2021. And then our plan was to introduce the rest of the system. So the platform that allows you to upload the data to FST database since 1st January 2022. The second timeline stays the same. However, we have to shift the first one. Apart from the fact that our certification bodies were simply not ready to take the effort and implement the new template which is not just using it, it's adapting the whole management systems around it, training auditors, etc. So they ask us for more time to do so. At the same time, we also, along the project, along the conversations with them, learn that there are still some improvements that we can make. So we decide that we turn this whole difficult and challenging situation of COVID-19 to our advantage, and we postpone the introduction of the template we will deliver later the template, but we will deliver more and better. First mm -hmm. of all, we arrange substantial tests with our certification bodies on those already ready templates from, from last year. So we will have much more experience from using them on the ground. We will then improve them. Plus, we will also introduce more language versions. For those listeners who were listening to us last time, they may remember that we were introducing originally nine core languages, mm -hmm. which cover majority of our operations and certified areas. Now we got a lot of requests from our certification bodies that it would be really helpful for them to have more language versions. So we are going to deliver them. In mid of this year, on 1st August, we want to launch the improved original language versions of the template. We want the then certification bodies to start using them and at the end of the year, before 1st January 2022, we wanted to deliver other language versions, plus launch the platform so that from January 2022, the whole system will be rolled out essentially as originally planned. So the data should flow to our system 
as originally planned. Okay, I have a few follow-up questions. First and foremost, can you just tell me why is it so important that we have different language versions? Because I guess most of the people auditing in the forest would be able to speak English or Spanish or French or the original versions that we have it in. Why is it so important that we have more? There are two reasons that I would brought here as the key, the key reasons for that. First of all, although yes, majority of auditors are able to speak English. However, there are countries where we do not have, or our certification bodies, I should say, do not have uh, local auditors. Mm-hmm. So they use uh, technical experts, for example, and those experts do not necessarily speak the local language while they should contribute to the whole report or help to write it. This is one of the reasons to make sure that this forestry knowledge is captured in the correct way, in the local language, without mistakes. Secondly, the report is also a very important communication tool between an auditor and our certificate holder. If you are a certificate holder who is not speaking English, and that's not uncommon still in different forestry regions, then you would expect that if you are being assessed by an auditor, you want to know what they write about you. You Mm -hmm. want to know which kind of information about you are going to be shared with FSC. And you would like to see it in your local language, especially if you don't speak English. So this relationship between auditor and the certificate holder is very key factor in this whole process. They want to see at least the public version of the report, being able to comment on that, being able to say, I agree or I don't with the contents that is there. And also having the ownership over the information that that is being presented there. Internally, we have been discussing, meanwhile, how should we approach this whole issue about languages in the future? Because obviously the, the machine translation that we are using in digital reporting is growing in its importance and its effectiveness, accuracy, etc. And our system is also growing. So manual translations going forward are very challenging. They, they were always challenging. But since we are now taking direct ownership of the, those reports and language versions, this of course means for FSC a lot more effort and emphasis on the languages. So we do think that in the future we may change this and we may actually think about more comprehensive use of machine translation, maybe even some AI models, but it's longer time frame. For the moment, mm-hmm. we acknowledge that we are anyway changing the system very much and uh, traditional audits with this new audit reporting, uh, people will have to get used to it anyway. So let's do it in steps and let's not mm-hmm. force them to digest too many changes at, at the same mm-hmm. time. Okay, but that actually brings me to my next follow-up question because one thing is that we introduce a templates and you said we were supposed to introduce them for January 1st this year. Does that mean that they are mandatory for auditors to use? Our requirements that we adjust at the end of the year in order to to deal with, with the new project schedule says that from when we release these improved templates by 1st August, at that point of time, they will become mandatory, but only for the audits that are done in those languages. Mm-hmm. When we deliver more languages, then they will become mandatory for other languages as well. And since 1st January, in those very few countries that will be left without their own language version of the template, and we are speaking about the countries where we have less than 1 million hectares of certified forest, or when we have less than 10 certificates in total, Mm-hmm. Then for those countries, they will have to pick up the version that is closest, the most comfortable for them 
to use among those language versions that are available. Okay, so they have to transition January 1st, 2022, regardless. Yeah. Could you take us through what the biggest obstacle so far in, in the whole project and implementation has been? The biggest one. We have, of course, a number of obstacles, but also excitement. While we learn over the process, what kind of new functionalities CBs are requesting, what we learn about the platform, how can we improve it, and then we assign another feature and another feature, etc., to make it better. But I think the in general, putting aside those typical project management challenges, the cultural change is the most challenging in a way that we are trying to deliver a tool that is changing the reporting system for certification bodies who used to do the, this their own way. And of course, if we have around 17 certification bodies and every certification body was doing in a slightly different way. There is no golden solution. There is no one version that would fit all. And therefore, some certification bodies will have to change more. Some of them will have to change less, but all of them will need to adapt to this new system, learn it, train their auditors, get uh, this rolling in the management system. So I think, I personally uh, believe that this is the greater change. In, mm -hmm. And it would be the same for any tool, for that matter, that we would be introducing. Still, mm -hmm. what is good in this whole situation is that they are positive about it. They are waiting and looking forward for this tool and opportunities that is that it will be giving them. And they admit largely that, yes, it will be painful, quoting some of them, uh, to implement it at first. But they all see benefits from having this implemented going on because mm -hmm. it will save a lot of time for them as well. So what are you doing to work on that cultural challenge? How are you trying to get past it? This challenge that occurred for us last year with COVID and with certification bodies reporting they are not yet ready, with us discovering we would like to improve more, led us to much more closer relationship with certification bodies in this project. So the testing, uh, broad testing that we are conducting now for the template and also for the platform that is transitioning the data is really helping us on both sides to learn a lot and address challenges up front. We also try to be available for them, for the questions, concerns. We try to help them in preparing training materials and, and listening to them. Of course, we are not able to implement every single request because mm -hmm. we could be working on that project for the next five years and probably it will still not be, <laughs> including all the possible functionalities that, that some of them would like to have. But in general, that's what we do. We are open, we are transparent about what we are doing. Uh, we are trying really to address the key improvement requests and uh, requests for support as well, uh, trying to answer the questions and, uh, and work on them. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like the whole engagement with the certification bodies has increased quite dramatically since last we talked. That's true, yes. And that's very positive for us. Mm. And for them, I guess. If you look at it from the outside, what's been the most positive thing for the project and the rollout so far? Well, I think it's becoming real. And this is exciting. We are finally doing it. So last year we were all excited as well, but it was beginning of the project. We had good concept for technical tool. We were just starting developing it, but now it's becoming real. The templates are actually being tested. So we have users in our platform. We are managing those users. We are building new tools for them. It's really closer and closer to the first time in FSC when we will be getting the data from the ground. So it's really, the excitement is growing along the timeline of the project. Mm. And I guess it's really a question of really instrumenting change in FSC as well. 
Absolutely. Uh, we already see very positive side effects of us doing digital reporting, for example, in the very fundamental process that will regulate the future requirements for reporting. Uh, the project is really very clearly recognized. So the stakeholders assigned to develop this future standard for the reporting are already looking at this project and learning from that and already thinking about ways to incorporate this new thinking, new reporting system in the new standards. So this is exactly what we were hoping for. Mm -hmm. And I guess also the new FSC Global Strategy, that's also really data-driven and really wants to increase our ability to measure the impact of FSC. Absolutely. This is something that we could talk about for the next two hours, gladly. But, but you are so right about that. As we also stressed in the last episode, having the ability to see this data and being able to analyze them almost instantly will tell us what is happening in different regions, in different countries on the ground with different groups of requirements. So therefore, if we discover, for example, that in one country we have continuously and repeatedly challenges or, or issues with implementing certain requirements, we can then directly present this knowledge to those stakeholders who will be working on the future version of the standard in this region or area and improve the standard based on this learning. So it's really a very fundamental step in implementing true monitoring and evaluation system in FSC. Not to mention about just monitoring our basic data and basic statistics stemming from FM online, not to mention about huge increase in our transparency as soon as we will be able to present more data about our operation to all our stakeholders. Certificate holders will be able to finally see what is happening in my country, how do mm -hmm. I present how my data that only I know, because FST will not be, of course, releasing any confidential information, but how is my operation fitting in the general picture that is emerging from the data in the given country? So many different types of insights we can gain from the data that will be coming from digital reporting. Mm -hmm. Plus, referring back to something that I mentioned before, that the standard which is regulating what the reporting should include is being revised. We also hope that in this process, we will switch the focus from the data about the audit to the data mm -hmm. that is more monitoring and evaluation data, more impact and performance data. So that once we start getting this data that is more impact-oriented, we will be able to say much more about FST and the difference FST is making on the ground. So once we have... The standard, I forget the name, 2007, is that it? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Once we have that revised, we might be able to look more into to data that's actually impact monitoring than focusing on the implementation of a particular audit. That's exactly what we are hoping for. This is all very exciting. How far away are we from live? What's the status right now? So we still are on time to implement the system as of 1st January 2022. Mm -hmm. That means that the first complete set of data that FSC will gain about our certified forest will be available at the end of that year, because obviously not all the audit happens in January 2022. So they are spread over the year. We are still uncertain globally how the pandemic will develop, what kind of other challenges it will keep posing to field visits. Uh, and therefore, at the end of 2022, we should be having the first complete set of data 
originating from digital reporting. And then, of course, that will be our baseline. That will be the beginning of trends that we will be able to build going from that point of time. Mm -hmm. But the system is there, data is flowing. We actually have what we need now? So largely the key components are there. We are now making improvements. We are working, for example, of first improving the template based on the testing certification bodies are using these templates now in real audits or theoretical audits if they didn't have any real one scheduled in this time frame. Plus, they are also testing the upload of this data in the platform and generation of public summaries using machine translation and all the functionalities that we have now available. Uh, this testing is targeting improvement. So whichever bugs or whichever important features that are missing, we identified in this process, we will work on them until the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Templates will be improved earlier. As I said, we already plan to release new templates for this original nine languages in 1st August, but we will keep working on the platform itself. Why is it uh, taking more time? For different reasons. First, we will like to ensure that after we make those improvements in the software, we also have additional chance to test it further with individual representatives from certification bodies. Because it's just normal software development. Mm -hmm. You need to test it, improve it, test it, improve it, test it, improve it. The second important reason is that FST is making a lot of improvements on our identity management, on introducing many more other tools for digital mm -hmm. engagement and digital relationship with our stakeholders. And we have to make sure that we integrate all of those. Mm -hmm. I think some of what this makes me think is, is just also FSC learning to work in a new way, where we're used to develop a standard, we put it out for consultation, we go back, we implement changes, we put it out for another round of consultations, and then we push it out there and it's done. Where this kind of setup is really, we have to learn these continuous improvement cycles. We have to learn that a project, even when you do launch, 1st of, of August, and when you do push out the system 1st of January next year, that it's not done then, that it will be continuous improvement from then on as well. It will be, absolutely, yes. However, we also need to take into consideration that we cannot release those changes every month as well, because that would uh, drive the system crazy, and I don't think everybody, <laughs> anybody would be able to cope with that. So, of course, we will be also carefully planning in which frequency we may release new updates. Some things will be independent on us, some may change in Microsoft, and then we have to adapt our add-in so that it is compatible. But in general, we would like to avoid introducing new changes to the template, completely new elements, because it has the domino effect on the need for our certification bodies to use this to adapt the management systems and to train their auditors. So once we launch, especially the template, uh, we would like to be very transparent and forward-looking on how often potentially we would be making some changes. Okay, so you actually said two things there that I'd like to pick up upon. First is, uh, we're not inventing a new tool here, it sounds. It's, you said Microsoft, so it sounds like we're working on standard technology. And the second is the integration with certification bodies' own systems. Could you talk a bit about that? 
On the first one, yes, you, you are right, Loa, and we do not want to invent the standalone applications that will work only for FSC and completely new new software. We are very much based the solution on available technology, and we are, because of nature of FSC operation, because of the fact that majority of our certification bodies are working on Microsoft, this is the system operating system we are targeting. We are also looking in the tools available for Mac devices. This will be um, also part of our development until end of this year. But largely, we are basing this on available tools and standardized technology. In terms of integration with CVs, what I mentioned before is more them getting used to possibly new versions of the template. That's one thing, which is more logistical challenge, training challenge, rather than technological one. In terms of technology and possible integration with existing certification bodies on the databases, yes, we absolutely want to go in this direction. And we are still hoping that this year we start exploring this opportunity, but this will be next stage in the development. And in that sense, it is the same like for the templates. If we would at some point change the schema change of the functionalities in our system, which is then integrated with certification body system, we need to be even more careful because mm. that may mean even more serious changes on their side. So once we achieve this integration, uh, we have to be, again, very careful, transparent about the eventual frequency and possible changes that will be coming along the way, mm -hmm. which yeah. is also improvement of our own processes and learning to to schedule those processes better. Yeah, because if you change just one field in a schema, then you potentially break the entire data flow. If we just zoom out a bit and, and look at this from a certificate holder perspective, uh, and let's say I'm now a forester and out there, how will the, all of this affect me and my certificate short term uh, and longer term? Will I be required to take part in anything? Is there any work in it for me? So in the short term, I would say, no, you will not uh, be forced to participate or you will not be required to do anything else, really. We do require, with this new digital reporting template, to collect few more data points that are mandatory. For example, based on our agreement with FAO, we agreed to report on double certification. So this is a, one of the new mandatory fields that we are introducing. However, largely no you would not be required to provide any new data for you for mandatory fields. Uh, we do introduce in this digital reporting version few non-mandatory fields that are for us, you would say, a trial preparation as a test of potentially more impact-oriented indicators. And they are quite challenging if you compare them to the checkbox type of indicators that are present in the current reporting. And on purpose, we did not make them mandatory, just trying to understand what kind of level of challenges they may pose. If a certification body and certificate holder choose to fill in those indicators, then yes, potentially it could be more data collection work. Could you give me an example of that kind mm -hmm, of data? Sure. So at the moment, we are, for example, asking certificate holder in today's reporting how many men or women forced workers they are employing. One potential uh, new indicators would be what are the wages mm. of those groups, average wages. So you would have to know the wages, you would have to average them down. And in some forest management operations, you don't employ workers directly. You have contractual arrangements and you are actually not responsible directly for those wages. So you would have to ask your contractor 
to potentially give you this data. That doesn't mean that we will introduce such indicators in the future. Again, for us, it's a test really to, to orientate ourselves also in the level of challenges. And we will be definitely working more with stakeholders in the future to, to develop more pragmatic ones that would mm -hmm. potentially give us the same level of information. But that's just example, just to visualize what kind of change would that mean. So Short-term certificate holder will not really see the difference. Long-term, I would see two future-looking changes. First, the switch from one type of data to the different type of data, which for sure we will be introducing very gradually and with engagement with stakeholders to make sure it actually can work. Secondly, once we have this new type of data, certificate holders should benefit from that in a way that they should be able to report and promote their own operation based on this data. Does that mean that stakeholders get access to more data than they have in the past? Can anybody look into my audit report would be the second thing that I would be wondering as a certificate holder. Do they have access to more of my information? No. In that sense, no. What will change for you and I, if we would like to know something about certified forest that is in our country, what would change is that you will see this data in different way. Today, you have PDF public summary to access. You need to open it. And if you want to compare between different CBs, you need to understand the structure of this report first. It is mental effort and time commitment as well. So it's not so easy to compare information from two different forests, if, especially if they are being certified by two different certification bodies. Now, with this new tool, you will see the same structure, the same format of the report in the web-based interface. It will not be PDF anymore. There will be the same sections that you can easily follow visually and orientate yourself very quickly in this report and therefore being able to compare the data in much easier way. In that sense, no, there will be no access to new data, to more data about the given forest management operation. You will see them in different way. Yes, because once FST has data available at hand, we can simply produce more aggregated report. For example, what are the most common nonconformities across all CBs relevant for this country? And U.S. certificate holder or stakeholder that is familiar with given forest management operation can then compare, oh, actually my forest, my forest management is pretty much on average, so I am doing well or I am not doing well if I want to be better. Or maybe my nonconformities are completely different than those that, be, that are being presented as most average ones. What does it mean? Should I maybe check with my certification body what are the reasons for that? Maybe I could learn something from my peers in this process. So it really sounds like this is us being much more data-driven and much more information-driven, but it actually also puts some of that data in the hands of the certificate holders and, and the certification bodies. Yes, that's our intention. Of course, with respect to data confidentiality, to not revealing any information that should stay with those entities, but general system performance data we should be able to produce and share with those stakeholders. Mm -hmm. If we then zoom out on a bit longer perspective, how do you then see this project tie into other developments that we're doing right now, like the GIS portal, the impact dashboards, or the database for normative requirements? It's so much tied. They are all part of the same strategy to deliver more data and allow certification process to be streamlined, which is very uh, key focus on our strategy. 
and make this process more relevant to what is actually happening on the ground. Digital reporting is the tool that allows us to get the access to the data. Now, with other projects, we can make it even more streamlined implementation of digital reporting and more rich in different types of insights. Uh, taking example of connections between FM digital reporting and GIS verification platform, digital reporting is a tool for getting the data from the ground. GIS portal will lead auditor to those places where the most potential nonconformities are present. Of course, if GIS portal shows some tree cover changes, uh, that doesn't mean that there is nonconformity there. And this element ingredient of going to the field will not be eliminated anytime soon for various reasons, but it will guide auditors where should they go. We also want to integrate those two tools in a way that you could directly access, for example, reporting from GIS portal. Once you prepare for an audit, JS reporting can already guide you in some sections and then help you to fill out some data. In the future, when we increase the level of our GIS and earth observation analytics, we can also probably deliver some data points to digital reporting from GIS portal, depending on how this future indicators, future requirements for reporting more oriented on monitoring and evaluation impact, etc., will look like. So it's possible to assume that if we have those new requirements, you could check them in GIS portal. You may not mm -hmm. even need to ask certificate holder for those data. Also, very important link and amazing one is with my baby project of database of standards. So uh, the database of normative requirements will deliver a digital version of our standards, not in a form of PDFs as we have them today, but in a form of the database. That means that uh, if you are making an audit in a given country and you are using FM digital reporting, you will be able to download requirements that are relevant for this country from the database of normative requirements. If we have them stored in this database, we will be then able to map different requirements from different national standards. So as of today, we have one mother standard that is principles and criteria, and they are being locally adapted to different countries. It means that in our principles and criteria, different indicators that correspond to them and are talking about the same thing may have different numbers in different countries. If you have this in the database, these numbers will be mapped against each other. So what we can do later is that if we can then use the data that we will be gathering against those single requirements from national standards and compare them across the country. So we'll be able to say, this is how this country or region performs. Mm. So that's quite powerful. This will be the key insight that we will be gaining that we can then transfer to standard development process because mm -hmm. we will be able to say to stakeholders in a given country, this is exactly the indicator that is causing problems or mm -hmm. generating most nonconformities. So mm -hmm. maybe you should look at this in the next revision process. Yeah, that whole being able to compare between standards in national countries really has a lot of potential. Um, and really just, I guess, will be the gateway for us to truly monitor our impact, both globally and also in a country level. So all of this episode, we've been talking about forest management, because forest management audit is where we start 
what happens afterwards? Do we move to chain of custody? Do we move to control wood? Do we move to other FSC standards and digitalize those? It's so much to do, Loai. We could spend another hour on that. But yes, the chain of custody would be the next step for us. We would like to repeat the same. I'm not suggesting that we would apply exactly the same tech solution to that, but the same principle to unify reporting and to get more direct data from chain of custody. And this will bring more substantial change even than forest management digital reporting, because as of today, FST does not directly collect reports from chain of custody. So that would be potentially completely new set of data that we would start mm -hmm. gathering. For our integrity, it's a critical element. So we certainly would like to go in this direction, depending and respecting our processes that regulate how uh, such requirements are being introduced. A few important things around it is that once we look in the chain of custody, we immediately can send links to forest management digital reporting. We need to apply the same schema, for example, for species or for product groups. Or the foundation that we are introducing with forest management digital reporting will certainly be reused and built upon in chain of custody version. Plus, as our listeners know from other episodes, we are also working on blockchain. Blockchain mm -hmm. is also a database. We need to make sure that we integrate and align the information. We should not ask stakeholders to report on two different things and, mm -hmm. and uh, work on data in two different ways. No, that would be both very unuseful for them and for us. Absolutely. And I'm also thinking that even as we move into chain of custody, there will also be a lot of, of more service-oriented possibilities from an FSC perspective, where we will be able to give much more service in terms of how do you find new suppliers? How do you figure out who has which product groups? All of these things that they really struggle with today and where it's, it can be a hassle, we would have much better data and, and much better at ability to utilize that data. That should be possible. I would add maybe one dream for FST in relation to implementation of all of those sets of tools. Let's imagine that we have new reporting standards for forest management that is much more performance and impact oriented. From where, through collection of the data with digital reporting, we can understand the impact of this given certified operation with time. Could we then transfer this information along chain of custody and being able for our stakeholders and certificate holders at the end of the chain of custody to communicate this impact collectively on their products? Of course, it's a huge challenge, enormous challenge, considering how complex the, the operations on wood originating from forest are. But we have to dream about something to make those dreams true. So I think what we are doing now is also giving us foundation and really giving us possibility even to think about future impact analysis in a way that at some point in time, we could be making it possible to communicate it more directly on products. Mm -hmm. That is a very nice dream to end with. I think I'll stop you there and, and <laughs> say thank you for, for the interview. I would love to see us being able to communicate impact all the way up through the supply chain. I know that's a big ask out there. So thank you for your time, Joanna, and for keeping us up to speed on what's going on digital audit reporting. Thank you very much, Noah. Excited to, to be with you all today and we are looking for more. That's it. I hope I managed to ask all the questions that you might have on where we are on FSC's digital audit reporting, or at least most of them. 
I, for one, am certainly very intrigued about the notion of being able to monitor accumulated impact and enable that to become part of FSC claims made. If you want to get in touch with us or follow our work, I encourage you to join our LinkedIn group. It's called FSC Digital Innovations and it's open for everyone. You can also always get in touch with me on digitalinput at fsc.org. I am Laura Worm and this was Forest for the Future.